Welcome to episode 61 of the Swamp Flicks podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. And I am Brittany Lombas. And we are recording in 7th Ward, New Orleans. And I'm in the middle of a film festival at Britannia Theater right now. They just launched Filmtopia Film Fest. They have a lot of cool movies. Yeah. And I think we're going to record something about that soon. But I've just been like in the movie theater a lot for the past few days. Are you watching all of them? No. There's like 20 movies. I'm seeing like six. God, there's one that's um, playing tomorrow. Um... Rodin. Oh, yeah. That I really want to see, but it's playing at 12 p.m. So it's like lunchtime and it's a work day. And uh, I hate working. I tried to go to the few Kubrick movies I'd never seen before. Ooh. That's what it's like prioritizing. Well, it's going to be fun yeah. to hear about. And you recently went on a huge trip. I did. I did. I went to Budapest and then I went to Prague and I came home. That's amazing. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, which actually... One of the movies that I'll be talking about is, like, from my trip. You watched it while you were in Europe? I almost, well, they had, like, a movie theater, but I'm like, I don't know if I can handle, like, watching films in Czech with no subtitles on the big screen. So, eh, I just kind of, like, nixed it off my list, but this is actually a movie I watched on the flight. How long was the flight? 11 hours. Oh, fuck. So, um, basically, it was Condor Flights, and... I thought that they were going to give, like, multiple options of films to watch because that's how, like, I keep up with, like, a lot of movies because when you're on, like, a long flight like that, they'll give you all these, like, really recent options to watch, but you have to pay extra for it. And Uh. I was like, I'm not paying $6 for that. So I had to watch Avatar over and over and over again. How many times could you possibly watch that? I watched it three times in a row on the way over. How long? The movie's long, too, right? It's It's super long. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that because <laughs> I did not like, I don't, I'm not an avatar person. I saw it once in the theater and quickly forgot everything it's that happened a, in it's it. It's really a squirmy movie. It just makes me very uncomfortable. But then I watched, um, I don't know if this could be a segue into it. Alvin and the Chipmunks three times on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> and I never saw it before. I went to the theater to see the third one because John Waters had a cameo in it. Right. I remember you talk, you, you were talking about it maybe for, um, I think I shot in the kids. Didn't you bring it up? You brought it up for something. You're like, oh, it reminds me of this. Uh, it was more insulting than that. I was talking about Ocean's 8. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's something about like the like generic pop music and like the editing oh, comedy style. And Ocean's 8 reminded me of it. I see it now. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, it was that and like some other movie with like Ashton Kutcher about Las Vegas that I couldn't handle. So I'm like, well, Brand- I remember Brandon saying that he liked Alvin and the Chipmunks. So I just kept watching it. Can't say I did like the one I saw, but it was f- an interesting adventure to go watch yeah. this like 90 minutes kids movie for 90 seconds of John Waters talking to Alvin on the airplane. He was on an airplane in his scene. Oh, uh, if only Alvin the Chipmunks 3 was on the damn plane. Yeah. That would make a lot more sense. The second squeakle. <laughs> so Alvin the Chipmunks did not think I was going to enjoy it that much. But it kind of like tug at my heartstrings a lot because these little CGI chipmunks are super cute. And I didn't realize that they had actual actor voices because they're so sped up that I'm like, you could have put anyone voicing them. Why did you pick like Justin Long? And oh my God, Jesse McCartney, who I'm a huge fan of. Who is that? Um, was he like a boy band guy? I might have to make you a CD. <laughs> um, well, he's... No, he was a... Um, you know that song? She's no you. Oh, no. 
or I don't want another pretty face. I don't want just anyone to hold. I can't tell if that's familiar or if it just sounds like a lot of stuff I listened to in the early 2000s. You would like him. I think you would like his music. Well, I'm a huge fan. Um, he was actually here for like a show um, June 16th and it got sold out, which was very surprising. So I was very disappointed. Um, actually, I had one of my friends like she was supposed to come in to visit her parents from California and she like kind of rearranged her flight so she could make the Jesse McCartney concert with me. And it was sold out. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, but, um, well, he's the voice of Theodore. Oh. Like you could tell. <laughs> um, but it, it's such like a beautiful movie where there are these scenes where the chipmunks are in like the pantry and they're playing with like cheese balls and cereal and stuff like that. And it looks so good. Like it's so like well done that like you really feel like you're that tiny and everything <laughs> looks normal. I don't know. Just I, I, I kind of was able to put myself in the chipmunk shoes, little chipmunk shoes. And Jason Lee is psychotic in this film. Like the whole time he's talking, it's like he's whisper yelling. And that's just how he talks in general. Like, do you want to come to dinner? Sure. Seven, 7 p.m.? Sure. It's so weird. Maybe it's like this scientology thing going on with him that's like making his voice that way i don't know but i'm pretty sure there's like a theory out there a little conspiracy theory and dave shitballs what's his name david David cross david cross he is such a good villain um because he has like that you don't hate him and you're not disgusted by him but then you kind of are but he's really funny about it so it doesn't matter he's fabulous he's a villain in a lot of kids movies i think like she's the man he was the villain in that one Oh, she's the man. If I'm thinking of the right movie, I think it's like the Amanda Bynes soccer. It movie. is. I was thinking okay. of Joanna Man. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, is he in there? So another movie about cross dressing sports. <laughs> yes. Ladybugs, I guess, would be the uh, trilogy. Which is on Hulu right now. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I was so surprised that I liked Alvin the Chipmunks because I was just putting like movies in the background to kind of like help me fall asleep. Um, and then I couldn't sleep for it because it was just kind of, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I like the forced perspective stuff where you feel like you're tiny with like all the giant props, like attack of the puppet people kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just like, they took a lot of time. You could tell they did a lot of time. They, they were very like detail oriented with it. Maybe by the third one that I saw, they got a little lazier because I do not remember that being good. Okay. Well, now I'm like a huge fan. Yeah. So I'm going to be. You're going to have to report back. I, I will. Maybe that could be another episode in the future. Who knows? Oh, no. Okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I do have to say like the only part that was like very, very uncomfortable for me was um, they're made and the the trio, the chipmunks are made into this like sync like pop group and they have like sexy ladies dancing in the background to their chipmunk songs. It's just very unnecessary. <laughs> Yeah, I remember a lot of large party scenes like Poolside or on Bourbon Street and the one I saw. <laughs> oh, no. They do this like really cleaned up version of Uptown Funk on Bourbon Street that's like the most like <laughs> spick and span version of Bourbon Street you've ever seen in film. It's like it looks like it was freshly mopped, you know? <laughs> that never happened. Yeah, it was very weird. Wow. All right. So yeah, that was probably the most recent like funny thing that I watched lately. Um, Anything else significant? I mean, you're busy. Yes, though I did. I did watch 
So there's another film that I watched that was just as visually beautiful as Alvin and the Chipmunks, <laughs> but it's deeply disturbing. Um, it's called Track 29. Never heard of it before. Me neither. I recently got um, a subscription to Filmstruck, and I was just kind of browsing. You can browse by, like, decade through Filmstruck. So I was like, you know, I feel like watching, like, something from the 70s or 80s that, like, Filmstruck would pick for me to watch. So I was looking through the 80s decade, and then I saw this thing, Track 29, from 1988. First thought in my head is, like, what the hell is this? It sounds kind of cool. And on the cover is Gary Oldman um, dressed up as, like, a little punk rock teen. (laughs) So I immediately press play. It starts off with Gary Oldman, and he's British in this film. And he's, like, in the South, in the United States, in the South, kind of, like, hitchhiking. And he screams, Mommy! Really loud. So that kind of gives you an idea of what this movie is going to be like right from the get-go. So basically, he's on a journey to find his birth mother. So he came from across the pond, and his birth mother is somewhere in the south. Switch to who his birth mother is. Like, nothing's really, like, secretive in here, so there's no, really, there's no spoilers except for the very end, which I, like, won't reveal. But his mother is played by Teresa Russell, and her character in the film is Linda Henry, and she's just like this very bored and lonely housewife and she acts like a kid she collects dolls and she has braces and she throws tantrums when she can't get her way and her husband henry henry played by christopher lloyd Mm -hmm. basically doesn't sleep with her and her big thing is you know she wants a baby because we'll soon find out that she was raped when she was 15 um, by a carny and she had to give her baby up for adoption so of course like she's got this you know I don't know I hate movies like that where you're like oh she has an emptiness in her because she gave her baby away mm. which is totally like not true for everybody um, but it's one of those movies but the way that she deals with it is insane in the middle of the night she'll wake up and take one of her baby dolls and shove it in Christopher Lloyd's face and like start calling him daddy to entice him to sleep with her Um, And he's not into it, but he is like disgustingly obsessed with his model trains. (laughs) And he is also a doctor at a nursing home. And he is having an affair with a nurse who spanks him in between patients. And the nurse is Sandra Bernhard. Yes. (laughs) So he goes and he has like, there's like a Citizen Kane moment where he's at this model train convention and people are like cheering him on and Sandra Bernhard is like getting the hots for him and he's planning to like sort of leave with her so he that's how the affair is kind of working but in the meantime Linda is like having a mental breakdown because she wants a baby her husband ignores her she wants sex all the time but she acts like a kid she's very weird um and then she runs into Gary Oldman Gary Oldman's character Uh, Martin at a burger joint because that's where she hangs out is this like burger place and he kind of makes it obvious that that's his mother like he has this connection with her and she's trying to fix she's like kind of infatuated with him like who is this guy what does he want (laughs) um and then he kind of just keeps appearing like he shows up at her house and at her pool and spanks her and then things get very sexual between the two 
once she knows she's his mother, of course, because that's normal, right? <laughs> so it's just super disturbing. And then the whole time it's just like, oh my God, like she's like she's crying and touching his face, like, I can't believe it's you. And then before and then she's making out with him. <laughs> so it's just very like I don't know what's wrong with me, but I really like being creeped out by incest in right. movies. <laughs> no, no, I was to say, like, you, you, I mean, we've had this discussion before. I love, like, movies that make me feel uncomfortable. And yeah. that's what this movie was doing. And then the part where I just kind of, like, went, what the fuck, after all this is happening. So she goes with him back to the burger place. And then she's, like, reminiscing about, like, her rape when she was 15 while she's talking with him. And she's getting, like, very sexual about it. And kind of orgasming. That's all happening at the table. And then the scene flashes to like two of the waiters. And they're like, what is she doing? And they go to her table. And they flash to her table. Or the camera flashes to her table. And there's no one else there. There's no one else there. Okay. So then (laughs) I don't know if it's weird that she like is a figment of her imagination is her unknown child as a British Gary Oldman that's like acting like a baby. And then she's like... I don't know if it's weirder that he's real or if he's fake. Like, I don't know what have made it better. (laughs) But it just kind of spirals out of control from there. And there's just... Wait, so that's not the ending? No, that's not the ending. There's The ending's very insane. Like, it happens kind of pretty early on in the film where you find out that he's just, like, a drop-dead Fred. You know, he's not real. So then the movie, like, kind of... There's, like, another half of the movie after that. And there's this really cool scene where he's, like destroying her husband's like model train set that he has in the house and it's like going back and forth between her it's just kind of like showing how their lives are so like disoriented and insane and it's it it kind of reminds me a lot of crimes of passion like the way this movie's filmed the whole time i was like this is a lot like like crimes of passion um like intense lighting yes intense lighting weird angles weird screams and just like people doing crazy things that people don't normally do any good cheesy saxophone in that one or <laughs> maybe not unfortunately no okay <laughs> um, but there is a john lennon song in the beginning and i think this is like a george harrison production or something like that it's very it's got a beatles vibe to it in that way this is like early 70s or 1988 something? oh crazy it was a a pretty wild movie but I, I liked it it was very uncomfortable it's very like mommy issues and daddy issues and baby <laughs> issues just like all kinds of weird issues with each family member in a sexy way and i will say christopher lloyd won't have sex with his wife is also the catalyst of suburban commando with uh, oh Hulk my Hogan. god <laughs> they just keep picking him for those roles huh? <laughs> shelly duvall's like throwing herself at him every scene and he's just not interested <laughs> i was kind of happy he wasn't and i'm like thank- i'm so glad you didn't like touch her after she was like danny wake up that would have been very very weird so kudos to him maybe she needs to find somebody who has finds that kinky i don't know (laughs) i hope she doesn't i hope she (laughs) yeah (laughs) that will always freak me out um no no offense it's a personal thing um but yeah so what have you been watching brandon any weird incest movies Actually, yes, but one of them we're talking about <laughs> next episode, so okay. can that for now. Cool, I can't wait. <laughs> but yeah, as you were describing, I was like, I just watched a movie last night for the next episode recording that's like pretty similar on the incest stuff. Great. <laughs> it's this podcast secret <laughs> specialty, I think. <laughs> um, oh, God. 
I have been watching a few horror movies recently. I went to see Unfriended 2 Dark Web on the day it opened. Uh, took off Does not work. surprise me. I saw that when I was waiting in line at the movies. And I'm like, Brandon's probably all over this shit. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's not... I'm not as in love with it as the first one. It repeats the same gimmick where it's like all the one laptop screen and you watch like sort of the user interface of someone on Skype with five of their friends mm-hmm. and they all get like taken out one by one. They're by still these... using Skype. Yeah. Awesome. The problem is twofold i think it, hmm. it gets rid of the ghost from the first unfriended movie oh no and makes it a more like realistic threat quote unquote in that there's no supernatural ghosts in the in the internet or anything this is like real people tormenting these kids the way they torment them and kill them is really outlandish and could never happen but it's still like grounded in a way the first one wasn't and i really liked the supernatural <laughs> technological melding yeah. in the first film so I kind of missed that, and also, like, without that, and with this, like, vast conspiracy network of people, like, coming after these kids, it reminded me a lot of Nerve, but just less mm. fun, and I love Nerve. So I guess what I'm saying is, like, it's a good version of a type of movie I like, but there's, like, other movies I think do it better, but I also like really ridiculous shit. So if you think that the computer ghosts of Unfriended are a little, like, too ridiculous or Nerve is a little too, like, silly, (laughs) you need, like, a more grounded, regular, like, genre film version of this, like, evil internet thriller, this might be a good, like, gateway film into these, like, evil internet horror movies I like so much. That's a good point, because I think that people get turned off by that initially, where they're like, oh, that sounds silly, but then... They can go to the sequel, watch it, and it, and then kind of be like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder what it would be like for an internet ghost. And then kind of hop on to the first one. So there's like no, nothing that you would need to know from the first one to enjoy this movie. No, it's an entirely new set of kids. It basically turns the franchise into like a horror anthology almost. It's oh, like great. resets the whole thing. Love anthologies. And I, I guess in that way, I appreciate that it um, went in a different direction with mm-hmm. it. I just wish it like brought something new to the table, but instead it makes like a more streamlined, like grounded version of the first film, hmm. which I do think some people will appreciate. Cause if you look at like comment sections on movies outside of like movie groups and stuff, mm-hmm. just like out in the wild, a lot of complaints that people have about my favorite films are usually like, that was so unrealistic. That could never happen. That was so, it's like, why do you want realism in your, why are you watching movies? For <laughs> well, realism, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I think for those people, this might be a little more palatable, even okay. though it is still ridiculous and could not happen. It's a little less far-fetched than like a ghost haunting people for a viral video that they <laughs> shared after she uh, embarrassed herself at a party, you know? But I, I think it's a good it's a good movie, and it's a genre I really like, obviously. So I'm going to be more nitpicky about it than most people are, because mm-hmm. I've watched too many of these like spooky internet this movies. This is your thing, like this cyber... Um, cyber horror so i feel like this is like your jam so you you can be picky about it yeah but i'd be critical (laughs) i do think this is a good example of it i'm not like shitting on it i just uh no it's making me want to go see it yeah and also i wanted to vouch for a movie that just hit vod and i saw it in the theater a few months ago but it's just kind of like barely played here before it went um to streaming finally um it's called ghost stories Hmm. and it's another it's a horror anthology 
So you might be interested. Oh, horror in... anthology movie? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I love movies like that. This one's does something new with that format that I've never seen before, too. Hmm. The premise is this guy is like a skeptic and he like debunks paranormal mysteries. He has like a reality show where he goes out of his way to like debunk myths. Hate people like that. Like, <laughs> let us have something fun to look forward to. Like, stop debunking shit. And the movie is not on his side. So. Oh, good. Uh, and what happens is he has this mentor who he looks up to who used to do this in the 70s and inspired him to get into this business. Mm-hmm. Like when he was a kid watching TV, he like aspired to be this guy. And he goes to the guy to sort of like thank him for all the inspiration and, and like guidance. And the guy was like, well, what you're doing is bullshit because the paranormal stuff is real. And here's my proof. Here's three cases that I could not solve. That's the wraparound. So mm-hmm. the, the movie goes off on these three individual tangents <laughs> where he tries to solve these mysteries of these ghosts and he can't quite solve them, but he keeps walking away from them. And this is what is interesting about the movie. I don't think any of those segments are good. <laughs> They're Okay. It reminded me a lot of Are You Afraid of the Dark from like when we were like kids. Like kind of mild scary? Yeah. They're okay. mildly spooky. Not a spicy spooky. But there's something about the way he walks away from them without solving them that's kind of unsatisfactory, but in this like weird way. Like it's not like the movie's leaving them open-ended, like he was stumped. It's more like he sort of like backs off because he's getting closer to some kind of truth that we don't understand. And he's, like, nervous about something that we don't get. And then the movie – I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. The movie does this sort of strange twist where the whole thing plays, like, this one big prank on everybody. And it's the biggest turnaround I've ever had on a film where I was like, this is mildly okay. I'm not Mm. loving this. And then I fell in love with where it goes after this, like, really big reveal. And – I think a lot of people are going to go the other way and hate it for what it does. Uh But it's to me, the movie goes from like, you know, a decent enough horror film into like something really weird that I've never seen before. And it was based on a stage play too. So it's got this sort of like, you know, stage plays have this like weird, creepy existential menace that can like creep under the surface. This one plays with (laughs) that really well. Yeah. Yeah. Like those vibes. It's called Ghost Stories. Ghost it's stories. it's pretty funny and like charming throughout, but I really do think it is one of the great like movie twists and really goes into some weird shit uh, once it sort of like lets on what it's actually doing. Cool. I'm into it. I like how it has a simple name too. Yeah, it reminds me of that uh, that illustrated Ghost Stories book that we had when we were kids. With that weird skeleton clown. Mm, the creepy house on the cover. Creepy tales to tell in the dark or something. Yeah, something like that. Were they supposed to make a movie about it? I think that's still in development. Oh, that's going to be cool if it goes through. I feel like it'd be more, well, it would be better as a, um like some kind of mini series like or something. Show, yeah. So you could like take your time. I love that where it's just like, what's the next episode? What's the next episode? And the last thing I'll mention just very quickly is I think Sorry to Bother You is the best film in the theaters right now. People have been loving that movie. I saw the preview to it in the theater and I'm like, oh, this looks really cool. But then like people are like giving it so much praise. That's interesting. I I hear a lot of divisive things. I think kind of like with Unfriended and stuff, like I think people are like, oh, that was a little too much. They went a little too far. It's a little over the top. But, you know, that's my favorite shit. I think like what... I saw comments that like non-movie loving people that I know 
were like, this, if you're going to see any movie this year, this should be it. Oh, like, that's good. They were loving it. So I'm like, well, if people who like don't even like movies that much are loving this movie, like, what am I going to think of it? It's really enticing me to see it. It's a really like brave, ambitious, messy, packed with ideas all <laughs> over the place satire. Cool. That really gets to a surprising amount of like themes of like all kinds of modern ills. And I don't want to say too much about it gotcha. until I don't know. I can either pin you or James on the mic and actually talk about it for a Yay. minute. But I, um, I will be saying it though. Yeah, I I really do think that's like the best movie that's out right now mm-hmm. that I've seen at least. And I think if you're on the fence about whether to go check it out, please. so do I go see that or Unfriended too first? Oh, sorry to bother you for sure. <laughs> okay, not even a question. Okay. Yeah, because Unfriended 2, you could watch at your house and get the same effect, I it's think. It's probably going to be on Netflix Yeah, before the other one, for sure. Also, Sorry to Bother is a comedy, and I feel like that's always more fun with a crowd. There's uh, a lot of fun colors Yeah, that I noticed. <laughs> it's a really energetic, fun yeah. movie. Like, if you go out and see that in public, you, you'll have a good time, I think. Nice. Whereas, like, Unfriended, I think if you watch that at your house, you can probably even be more effectively creeped out by it, you know? Cool. Because you're alone. With your laptop open? Yeah. Skyping. Oh my god, what if you Skype somebody while you watch it? No. And you'll watch at the same time while you're Skyping. (laughs) Too many windows and windows, picture in picture. (laughs) And if especially if you're Skyping from your phone or something. Could you imagine? Well, today we're actually gonna be talking about a movie that's in the theaters, which is not something we do very often. So I know. I'm love I love doing this. We did this for the last episode that we did together with Oceans. Mm -hmm. Um and I thought that was really fun because it's almost like there's still like a buzz going on about like something you just saw, so the excitement's still like in the air. It's really refreshing doing that. So I hope we get to do this more. Hell yeah. And all that's coming up to you right Right now. now. We built this club together, and and then some girl shows up from out of nowhere who hasn't even paid her dues. How do you know what dues she's paid? This chick doesn't sing that way because she's had it easy. They don't come to hear us sing, Nikki. Or, 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 is that, is that just bullshit now? You know, you're drunk. Go inside and call a cab. I will not be upstaged by some slut with mutant lungs. Then leave. You would ruin our friendship over some girl you barely know? So much for loyalty! Since when did you know anything about loyalty? How many goddamn times have I peeled you off the sidewalk? How many blackouts? How many times have I held your head over the toilet bowl while you threw off everything but your memories? Okay, fine! And now it's time for our regular Movie of the Minute segment. This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth recommending films to each other. And this time it was Brittany's turn to choose what we're going to watch. And what did you make me watch? I finally had the opportunity to make Brandon watch Burlesque, which is a 2010 sort of cabaret musical starring Cher and Christina Aguilera. So Christina Aguilera, I feel like this is her her glitter and or her crossroads. This was her cool as ice. Yeah, her cool her cool <laughs> as ice. That's a better way to put it. So she plays a girl named Allie, who is small town girl who's working as a waitress and she just wants to become a star so she just gives up everything and like leaves with you know what 20 bucks in her pocket or whatever and goes to los angeles just a very poor decision that obviously isn't going to end up well like anytime a movie starts like that it's so cliche where you know oh god they like made a huge mistake they're gonna have a rough time and they're gonna find something magical which is kind of what happens so She's kind of down on her luck when she moves to Los Angeles and she kind of hears music from the street and she happens upon a burlesque club 
that is owned by Tess, played by Cher. Cher. Ugh. <laughs> and she washes one of the routines and she just falls in love and she's like, I want to do this. Like, I want to be on that stage. And obviously, you know, it's not going to be that easy. So she's able to at least like beg her way into getting a job as a waitress at the club. So that way she can kind of, I guess, climb her way to the top. In the in the meantime, um, while she's waitressing at the club, the club is actually not in the best economic situation. Um, money is owed and there is a greedy guy named Marcus who's ready to like ruin the club and like take it over. Who is played by, I don't know his name in real life, but he is McSteamy. I don't know if you watch Grey's Anatomy. I do not. So um, on Grey's Anatomy, the hot doctors, like Patrick Dempsey's character, they call him McDreamy. And this guy's character, they call him McSteamy. I will never know his real name. Um, anyways, <laughs> so all of this is happening. And well, finally, she gets a chance to be a burlesque dancer because they're having auditions because one of the dancers, who's Juliana Huff, who is actually like a fabulous dancer in real life, well, um, her character becomes pregnant, so they need to find her like replacement while she's pregnant. And Christina Aguilera or Allie—it's hard to like refer to her as like not Christina. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of forces her way on stage, and then Cher and the stage manager, who is um, Stanley Tucci, Stanley Tucci, um, are like, "Well, I guess we'll just let her do it." And of course, she owns it. She does like a performance of Wagon Wheel Watusi. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, this pi- there's got to be some kind of female villain in these situations, which kind of sucks. But it's Kristen Bell. So surprising. <laughs> this is, like, the most surprising casting. The sweetest woman yeah. in, like, uh, Veronica Mars. I mean, just, like, this earth angel is has, like, black hair, and her name's Nikki, and she's super mean and drunk all the time. She wears all the burlesque lingerie and <laughs> does these, like, mean yes. girl routines. Yeah, it's yeah. fabulous. She has some of the best melodramatic lines in the movie, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So she gets, she becomes a dancer. Finally, she's a dancer. She's on the stage. And of course they don't know that she can sing. And then one night Nikki kind of unplugs the vocals for, for the track or she unplugs a track like in the middle of a routine. And as they start to lower the curtain, those um, iconic Christina Aguilera runs start to come out like, I hate that shit so much. That like vocal gymnastics stuff. I think it's so funny. Like I watched the voice. I was laughing for sure. You need to watch the voice if like you think that's funny because she does that all the time. Like there'll be people who like, like, oh, you know, they have like their super sad story. Like my mom has cancer and I came here to live my dream. And they, they put on this amazing like performance and Christina's like, Oh, I love the way you went. Like she tries to always steal the show <laughs> from the person, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's like listening <laughs> to so someone vain. like drum solo. Like it's kind of impressive that she can do it, but it's not <laughs> pleasant to listen to. Oh, that's a good way of putting it. But of course, like I was like, yes, you know, of course this is gonna happen. Oh yeah, her. it's appropriate for the movie. It's so funny. So then, of course, they're like, "Ooh, she can sing too. She's gonna save the club. Now we can like double the entrance fee because we have a singer." So they're all super excited. Um, I don't know why I go to like weird Southern accents when I get like excited, <laughs> but <laughs> what was that like North Carolina coast or something? <laughs> oh, and also before we forget to mention that there's a cool Alan Cumming performance. Pretty much doing his ringmaster from burlesque, right? I mean, from a uh, cabaret. cabaret. Yeah. So fun, fun, fun. How did you like this movie, Brennan? <laughs> uh, 
I kind of expected it to be like a glitter style, like so bad it's good, campy kind of pleasure. Right. But it was a much more cozy movie. It's something I think to its benefit and to its detriment kind of like drags out the story to like a two hour runtime. Where like they could have done this movie in like 80 minutes, but it really just sort of like takes its time, sets up all these different plots and uh, conflicts that it has to resolve. And like nothing feels rushed at all. Like Cher getting her club back and Christina going back and forth between these two guys and (laughs) Stanley Tucci's got his own side (laughs) romantic plot. Right. Uh, It's, it's all very sprawled out and like all over the place, but not in an unpleasant way. Like it could have been tightened up, but it was like, I don't know, kind of like comfort food kind of a movie when, because it's such like a bombastic uh, loud setting I kind of expected it to be this like really campy over the top thing and it's a lot more like low key than that also interesting is I cannot believe this movie came out in 2010 because it looks exactly like the Lady Marmalade video from 20, <laughs> 2001 <laughs> right? and Glitter I think was 2002 and this film feels like it should have came out around the same time it was like it was too, it came out too late I think I feel like someone was like pitching it as soon as Lady Marmalade came out and just took this long to get made, which would make sense why it's so in need of editing. Cause I feel like they had this script around for so long that by the time they got funding, they were basically doing it themselves and was like, Oh, we'll just leave it all in. Yeah. Like there were some parts that like I thought weren't very enjoyable. Like the romance between her and the bartender I thought was kind of, we could have done a lot without a lot of those scenes. Like it didn't really matter. Like, you the, you're not hoping for her to find a guy. You're hoping for her to like become a burlesque dancer and singer and have a successful career. And he's just kind of like this weird side story that's overplayed. Like, oh, there's this guy, and I thought he was gay, but he isn't. So I better go put some pants on. And oh no, he has a fiance, so we can never be together. But we'll flirt really much, like a lot. It's just. I hate stuff like that. Like, yeah. this movie could have done without him. Or it could have just been, like, shorter. Like, it was, like, really drawn out right. back and forth between them. <sighs> we knew where it was going. It just, like, took a very long time to get there. There is... I, I know we're talking about, like, drawn out. There's a scene that is, like, beautifully drawn out where it, it's kind of like um, Cher gets her solo moment. And I love it so much where she sings that song, You Haven't Seen the Last of Me, and you kind of get to know her character really well. Yeah. It's almost like her, what's the word for it? Like a soliloquy. Is that the word? Yeah. Like, like a like, actor yeah. gives like an aside to the camera. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of, it kind of felt like that, like a play almost. Like her big like centerpiece monologue. I felt like I was monologue. watching like a Broadway show and that was like her character's little jam. And <laughs> she goes into the alley and Nikki's like super drunk and she's like, I slept with your husband. That is the best scene in this movie. And then movie. Cher gets a fucking crowbar <laughs> out of her trunk and smashes that bitch's window and it is so much fun <laughs> i love Kristen bell shouting i will not be upstaged by some slut with mutant lungs yeah <laughs> uh, actually uh diablo cody did an uncredited write-up on the um like a punch-up on the jokes in this movie and really that line for sure feels like a diablo cody line <laughs> it does oh my god that's so i didn't know that that's funny yeah that was my favorite scene in the movie. Me too. Uh, yeah, like, uh, I'm like, we better talk about this because it's so damn good. And the only other like kind of over the top committed scene for me was when they did a like S&M leather cops routine. <laughs> it's the one that uh, Nikki pulls the plug on before Christina gets to actually like do her number. Gotcha. But they're dressed up like leather <laughs> fetish cops in this like sort of like Tom of Finland thing. And she, uh, Christina Aguilera ends up doing this like 
almost a little Richard impersonation in whatever song she's singing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Tough Lover is the name of the song. Some, yeah. That was really fun. Well, that's the thing. Like, all the performances are really good. Like, they're almost, shoot me for saying it, I think it's on par with Chicago performances. Nah. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of shit for that, but it that's like it was so good like all the burlesque routines are fantastic i will say like I, it's hard not to keep comparing this to glitter i don't know why my <laughs> There's a lot of glitter in it yeah it's and true. diamonds um but like glitter is fun because uh mariah carey's like so over the top and like kind of bad in that movie right christina Aguilar is not a bad actress in this she's like she's not gonna blow your socks off but she's mm-hmm. like she's pretty good in it yeah and there's like a really nice rapport between her and Cher that you would think they would be having the same blowups that Cher has with Kristen Bell. But instead their exchanges are more like Cher uh, doing her makeup and giving her a pep talk or like them sharing a drink at the bar. <laughs> Here's some red lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine Cher putting red lipstick on you? Exactly. It's like Ugh. a fantasy. Yeah. No, I think maybe that's why this movie's so great is that you want to be Christina because you want Cher to be your stage mama. And there's something really sweet about her just discovering burlesque in the first place. Like when she walks up to the club and she sees Cher singing like, welcome to burlesque. (laughs) Burlesque. Uh, She's like seduced by all these like women in lingerie performing this number, even though she's a straight woman, presumably. Right. uh, She's like almost visibly like turned on by the aspect of it and wants to be on that stage and be those women. And I think that's something really sweet. And I think the movie plays that. So like seduction of it like pretty well it seduced me i'll tell you that much i wonder i've never been to los angeles but do they really have clubs like that this feels like a las vegas movie like i have no idea why this is los it angeles felt french to me mm. i'm like i feel like this is something in paris like it's huh? very like moulin rouge what about like, like french quarter like can, can we split the diff like uh like one eye jacks on decatur or... maybe except this club's so much fan it's like more it's like the club's still like old-fashioned and it feels like you're in like the 19 like 30s like i don't know it just yeah it feels like timeless it doesn't feel like it's in los angeles no that part no, you're right maybe french it's french quartery yeah hmm. but i mean maybe that attests to it being like a, this like magical place like outside of space and time like yeah. like maybe it's like a trip back to the cabaret it felt like uh it. movie or play I've actually never seen Cabaret. I really should, which I was thinking about the entire time I was watching this. <laughs> Maybe Ooh, we should do that sometime. Yeah, that'd be fun. I don't know. Like, I hate what life is doing to me, but the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, how does this guy have this nice-ass apartment in Los Angeles being a bartender at a burlesque club? Or like, How do they survive? Like, How are they paying rent? How are they like dressing? Like, I just couldn't figure it out. Well, his his uh, hot girlfriend who's out of town is like an actress, right? So yeah, got two and she's actually um, Diane Ar- Aragon. She's from Glee. Oh, she's the, the cheerleader? cheerleader with the blonde hair. Yeah, I didn't recognize her. I thought she was Sarah Michelle Gellar for like ten seconds. Ooh, that would have been a cool. Yeah, because cool it's like a. From her. It almost seems like it should be a single scene cameo when she comes in and tears through the screen. Like you should <laughs> know who she is, but it didn't really uh, register. I hate. I just uh, that was. I just didn't like that part. Yeah, a lot of the big blow-ups are, like, stuff you would expect, but I really do think it's, like, wish-fulfillment fantasy mm-hmm. parts that are, like, more the the hook, you know? There's a lot of song and dance numbers in it. This is practically, like, a jukebox musical. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think of some of the songs, too. It's, like, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Right. Uh, they play It's Carnival Time in the background. <laughs> I swear 
and when she first gets to Los Angeles, I swear they play the Beautiful People riff from. No, Vera they Nixon. do. It's a um, it's a it's like a redone version of the Beautiful People. And if you listen through the credits, it's Christina Aguilera singing. You are kidding me! How yeah. did I miss that? We need to listen to it. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> that's amazing i know it's like she's like you, it's like all these like fan, fancy like burlesque like songs and stuff and tunes and all of a sudden it's like <laughs> i couldn't believe my ears like i i, I should have verified but that would be a, a super hot burlesque routine to like marilyn manson <laughs> singing that i think that would be bomb i also like that uh they just do a straight up needle drop for ray of light madonna song they just like yes! play the song as is thank god yeah and, oh, that's such a good madonna song yeah, i think so too that like always like jazzes me up for anything i do think it's though very appropriate it's kind of weird that the movie itself isn't a musical like it's mm-hmm. kind of a jukebox musical in the way that those songs just sort of play but there's like these weird lulls speaking of it like not being tight mm-hmm. where it feels like there should be lyrics and people breaking the song and instead there's like no dialogue like when she's like backstage and looking in the mirror, it's like, oh, she should sing something right. about how she's feeling right now. Yeah. And I think you could very that. easily remake this movie as like a straight up musical. Oh my God. Somebody give me money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Who would you put in the Christina part? Oh God. I don't, I don't like any like current singers that much. That's a little tough. Is Ariana Grande too much for you? <laughs> she just like, she looks like she's 12 and I just wouldn't want her in those clothes. Yeah. She's a tiny Makes lady. Makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Christina's tiny too though. She was, but she, I don't know. She was in her, like, 30s. But she, like, presents herself as being more grown. Yeah. She's a grown-ass woman. Oh, my God. Wait, maybe. Hold on. I really, I love doing this kind of shit. What about, (laughs) like, Cardi B? Yeah? That would be fun. Uh, Do you remember Carmen, a hip-hopera? The uh, hip-hop. With Beyonce. Yeah. (laughs) Oh! They could redo this as, like, a hip-hop burlesque thing. Oh, yeah. Cross all that out. Let's just put Beyonce in it. Well, there you go. That's not a problem. I'm trying to think of, like, who who is, like, hot right now that doesn't annoy the shit out of me (laughs) and, like, actually sings really good? Maybe we should wait until Beyonce is old enough to play the share role. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then maybe Blue Ivy. Oh, oh, could be Christina. Perfect. I love this. (laughs) So I'm starting to develop it now. So I'm going to give myself about 10 years when Blue Ivy is like 17 or some shit. (laughs) But yeah, I I, I did enjoy the movie. I just think maybe I wouldn't watch it if I was like impatient for something to happen, you know? Like it's like a lays about kind of like white wine in the afternoon movie you know <laughs> and, and a little drizzle a little bit of rain with the yeah. sun still shining that's what this movie's all about i wish that there were some duets with christina and Cher. i think that would have been really cool you can kind of tell Cher was doing kind of like the minimum of what was required of her what a diva. She's amazing in everything she does in the movie, but she's not really in the movie that much. I think she's smart, though, and she... I mean, this woman has been in show business for longer than most people have been alive, and I think she knew that if you overdo it, you overdo it. Mm-hmm. I think she likes being the little treat in movies. Like, she loves people just getting a taste of her and teasing them a little bit. Because, I mean, she had two of the ten songs in this damn thing, and she had, like, a little bit of spotlight on her, but I think that was perfectly done. And that'll play directly into the next conversation. Yes, indeed. You must meet our hotel manager. Buenos dias. 
señor Cienfuegos. These are my mother's greatest friends. This is Tanya. Doña Tanya. Your beauty comes not only from the exquisite structure of your bones and the laughter in your sparkling eyes, but from the goodness that flowers within you. Like a fountain. I've been washed and brought to my tent. Don't think fountains flower, do they? Mine does. So I think this is the first time this has ever happened on the podcast where we both pitched the same next episode idea at the same time. Um, yeah, that was that was amazing. Yeah. That, this was good, totally like meant to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and we both asked each other if we wanted to talk about the Mamma Mia movies. Yes. The first Mamma Mia came out in 2008. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I thought, like, no, I will not watch that ever. <laughs> and something happened in the last 10 years where the trailer for the new one, which kind of just promises more of the same kind of stuff. I was like super delighted by it and wanted to see it immediately. <laughs> What's your history with Mamma Mia? I saw it when it came out and I own it on Blu-ray and DVD. I've seen it probably about like 10 times maybe. So I like it a lot. It's a musical that I like. I love like ABBA is one of like the, like best pop bands in the world and I love Meryl mm-hmm. and I love musicals so it was kind of just like a match made in heaven for me um but yeah I watched it enjoy it love it I don't know what changed in me and I, I can tell you right up front like what I didn't like about it sure that I didn't want to see it is that I love ABBA too and I loved ABBA in high school like Ooh. ABBA gold was a big deal yes for me. oh my god I got it from the uh tv commercial with the money order <laughs> I think I found them through the soundtrack to Priscilla Queen in the Desert, which had like uh, Donna Summer and Abba and a bunch of other people on there. Right. But what I didn't want to hear was people doing bad karaoke versions of Abba songs, which, to be honest, even after seeing both of these movies, is definitely what happened. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, no these doubt. These are not great Abba covers. Not even in the um, instrumentation. <laughs> like it's this like really cheap session musician version of like ABBA classics. But I will say I had a lot of fun with both of these movies. Good. Especially the first one. Yeah. Yeah. The first movie is so fucking bizarre. <laughs> it's this. Okay. It's a jukebox musical. So it's all ABBA songs and the narrative is crafted around the ABBA tunes. So like they come up with this, story that can incorporate all the different songs and it's such a weird 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 story and setting for abba songs like it's so far-fetched and like out there but it works and i think that's the setting is partly what makes it such an interesting movie Uh because it's a german american Mm co-production so they filmed (laughs) the dialogue in both german and english it was set in Greece, and it's got this Swedish pop band providing all the songs, and one of the three guys that are, like, the love interests in the story Swedish. is a Swede. But, like, all the main characters are, like, white Americans, which yeah. is so funny. And I think it's because of the German-English thing. Like, uh-huh. the dialogue just feels so weird. It doesn't sync with people's mouths or acting reactions, like well at all and gives it this really bizarre energy Mm -hmm. Uh, it feels like this movie where everyone is pretending to be human for the first time (laughs) Uh, but that's something that might be off-putting at first but once they start singing the songs and pantomiming the lyrics 
uh, every time an image comes up in the lyrics, they just show it on the screen in some ridiculous way. <laughs> so like during money, 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 they'll suddenly be on this expensive yacht and like a roulette table will spin. Right. Uh, it's got this sort of like <laughs> surreal energy to it. It's funny because that you, you mentioned that uh, the weird, the acting and all the dialogue, it felt like a Broadway play. Like that overacting that's done in like theater is really, really present in here. That is 100% what Amanda Seyfried's doing in this movie. Oh, yeah. She's doing this like overreactive, like playing for the back row mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it's actually really charming the mm-hmm. way she does it. Yeah. Uh, the plot of the movie is that she is like a... I guess like a 20 something. Like She's a, 20. I think uh, she's exactly 20. Exactly 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's going to get married in Greece at her mom's like beautiful resort on the, yeah. on the water. Must be nice. Yeah, really. Th- this, these are movies about rich people without any problems. <laughs> they like invent problems. <laughs> like pretend to be like broke. Okay. Yeah. She's yeah. broke, but she has a staff of like 30 people. <laughs> I know. And you live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. So just be broke and enjoy yourself if you are. So for her th- wedding she invites the three people she assumes might be her father based on a journal she finds where her mom details having sex with three men in very close succession with each other and then finding out before finding out that she was pregnant Mm -hmm. the three guys are colin firth (laughs) pierce brosnan and stellan skarsgård Mm -hmm. and the mother is played by meryl streep amanda seyfried has no real plan here as soon as the fathers arrive she thinks that she'll just know upon sight like which one is some, her dad. Like weird connection, but it doesn't work out. Like no, that. it's just totally confusing. <laughs> and uh, the crisis that again she makes her own problem by inviting these people is that she needs to figure out which one it is so he can walk her down the aisle at the wedding at the end of the movie. Obviously, none <laughs> of these like crises really matter as much as. The fun of just watching the ABBA songs performed. Right. Like, you don't really care, like, if she finds out who her father is. (laughs) And it's just so bizarre the way that she just doesn't explain this plan to anybody except her two friends. Like, she's basically gaslighting her mom. Meryl Streep thinks she's going insane because these three guys she hasn't seen in 20 years. Poor heart. (laughs) Are just, like, in her hotel resort all of a sudden by happenstance. Uh, she has a really funny moment where she like hallucinates them as their younger selves. Yes. So you see like Pierce Brosnan looks like a sort of hippie-ish metalhead. Uh, <laughs> and Colin Firth uh, looks punk all of a sudden. It's really goofy. But at the same time, Meryl Streep like sells genuine like raw emotion in this film. Where like she's very upset and shaken by their presence. Or she can. I mean, it's like it's so Meryl. It's crazy how, like, over-the-top everyone else is, and she just, like, actually, like, was breaking my heart in this movie. Aw. I know. She kind of, like, gave off the, that, like, struggling single mom, like, heartbreaking kind of emotion <laughs> that always gets to me, even though she's living in a villa in Greece. Living the best life possible. Yeah, totally. Okay. Let's get to the heart of why this movie's amazing. Yes. It's because everyone is so fucking horny. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> this is such a filthy ass movie that is like covered in Ava. It's so crazy that people bring their kids to see this. And um it's I watched it um on Netflix the other night and before it starts it's like this movie's PG thirteen for some sexual references. And I'm like, um, the whole damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's based on a woman who, like, slept with, like, three... You know what I mean? Like, it's 
it's based kind of on this like sexual premise and then and no one shames her for it or anything no it's and that's what i love about it because it's just kind of like oh so yeah you don't know who the father is that's, that's whatever in fact like amanda <laughs> seyfried and her two buddies are like super excited about her mom's like sexual exploits right they're like reading through her journal and they're like Ooh! like they're having like that it reminded me on greece whenever oh, totally. they're in like the bedroom doing the sandra d and they're like ah. <laughs> It's very the it's a lot like the tell me more part too. We're like yes. looking for more oh, sexual better. details. Yeah, like oh, what else did she do? <laughs> so fucked so up. So dorky. And the way that every lyric is sort of like pantomimed and like made literal by the choreography. In the line, um, there's a fire within my soul. When she says in my soul, she like grabs her crotch. <laughs> uh, Christine Baranski plays one of Meryl Streep's friends. Filthy. She's the best part of yeah. both of these movies. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, in Dancing Queen, when they say, like, anybody could be that guy, she, like, pretends that this, like, nearby flower is her dick and, like, pretends to be the guy. And then, like, the music's high. She puts, like, a little fake joint in her mouth. Yeah, and the joint's a tampon. Yeah. Uh, what a fun lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she gets wrapped up in this whole, like, cougar plot. Yes, where she does the... um. Oh, what song is where it's like you're just a kid, and there's like this like island guy that's totally like wanting to bang her, and he thinks she's like blowing her, but she's really making a diaper out of a towel on him. That guy was doing a very bad job of pretending that he's not gay in real life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, I guess like I feel like a lot of like gay guys are attracted to Christine Brand. I think so too, and <laughs> so that made sense. I think the movie plays with that too because. <laughs> The way it ends up working, Meryl Streep has two best friends, right? She has Christine Baranski, and she has Julie Walters, I think is her name is. Right. Uh, she she plays Mrs. Brown or Mrs. Bird in the Paddington movies. They sort of pair them off. So, like, Julie Walters gets paired off with Stellan Skarsgård. Pierce Brosnan and Meryl Streep sort of have their, like, side romance getting reignited. And then Christine Baranski gets paired off with Colin Firth's character, who ends up being gay uh, right. in the plot. <laughs> So I think the movie knows that Christine Baranski is just like magnetically attracted to gay people. Well, wasn't she the mom in the birdcage? Yeah, she is. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> She's so great. She's amazing. <laughs> and she has like a very strong Broadway background, right? I think she, yeah. Yeah, she does a lot and of stage And you can theater. tell. Yeah. God, this is so good. Are there good. any other horny moments that stand out? A hundred percent is whenever uh, Amanda Seyfried has her bachelorette party on the island. And it's basically like every woman on that Grecian island. And then they tie up her dad's. And they're like, give me, give me, give me a man after midnight. So fucked up. And then, like, Colin Firth is, like, trying to escape with his, like, sparkly paisley pants. Yeah, Stellan Skarsgård's totally into it. Oh, totally. It's so funny. Like, it looks like they're about to eat those men alive. And at that same, like, town square area where they stage that, the movie ends practically in a giant orgy. Yes. Like, the uh, fountain of Aphrodite or whatever sprouts up out of the middle of the ground. <laughs> And everyone just starts taking their clothes off and, like, dancing in very close proximity. And the movie just sort of ends in this, like, orgiastic, like, display. I wonder if that's what it's like in Greece. <laughs> just everyone fucking all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was solidly convinced that Meryl Streep was going to sleep with all three of the guys again. Because I had no idea where the plot was going. That would have been great. Yeah, that would have been a great movie. <laughs> My favorite dancing scene is when literally every single woman... Like, it feels like every woman in Greece 
like joins them for the dancing queen dance and they're just like hopping and skipping and like dancing and like all these women are like working and they just kind of throw their shit to the side and like join in it's so funny like i don't think i've ever seen that many people in synchronized dance in a movie before it was it was huge yeah it's a very like large production yeah but honestly not a lot not a lot of classic like movie musical choreography like that yeah like that feels like something out of like a 50s musical yeah but this movie doesn't really do a lot of that it's a lot of like like this is how old ladies dance yeah and they're pantomiming and like playing out the lyrics with their bodies almost like this like vaudeville kind of way yeah absolutely it's so funny when the like the men sing like um Pierce Bronson saying when he sings SOS and he just like stares deep into the camera and it just feels like your grandpa singing and he's like when you're gone how can I even try and move on like he's so like tired singing it like he needs like a nap or something it's so funny I mean there aren't a lot of great singers in these movies but he right, is particularly it, bad uh, oh absolutely I love how when you said like it felt like you watched people do karaoke yeah and I think that's what makes it so charming. <laughs> also, it's like a cry for help song, too. It's like a, he's calling out for SOS. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's kind of like a widespread joke that he's terrible at singing at this point. Right. But I did find it charming, especially in the second one. He sings the same song, but like <laughs> slower and sadder. And if, yeah, because it's a very depressing situation. He kind of sounded a little bit like Bowie in the second version oh, of like SOS. That, like that late Bowie album that came out uh, where it just yeah. sounds like he's crying the whole Dark time. Dark Star. Yes. Yeah. You didn't oh. like that? Oh, I loved it. I liked it too. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh God. Tis so, a pity she was a whore. Mama Mia 2 <laughs> is Pierce Bronson's Dark Star. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Make it known. Tell everyone. That's like a tweet waiting to happen, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's true. <laughs> I'm going to feel really bad if he dies in the next like two months. <laughs> Don't say. You know, and here's one thing I want to say about Pierce Bronson. Like, he is genuinely like a, a good person in real life. Oh, really? He married just like, and I mean, he is pretty hot, especially in his younger days, but he just married like, not like a supermodel, not like some hoity toity person, like just this average woman. And like she had cancer and everything, and he like supported her through everything and like helped. Like he was just like a good husband. It's pretty rare for a movie star. I know. So, and he, I don't know, he's so great. I love him. And this whole cast is just kind of lovable in general. I know. Like, I'm, there's no one that I really dislike. Maybe Sky. Who's Sky? The fiance. Oh, I just don't think about him. Well, th- that's what, yeah, that's more of a thing. Like, I'm just like, oh, you're kind of like a little unnecessary and you come in every now and then. But he was good at the big, like, at the very end. It might be past the credits when they do the Super Trooper performance and he's like, super. I will say the end credits to the first Mamma Mia is fucking insane oh totally it's just the the dynamos quote-unquote which is meryl streep and her two friends um would love to see them live <laughs> i guess <laughs> <laughs> everyone in the movie seems to think they're the greatest thing of well, all time their outfits that they bring it's like you're in greece and everyone's wearing like flowy linen mm-hmm. and then there's like this weird like star spandex glitter that kind of just really doesn't fit in with everything it's like a roller else. disco yeah, it's yeah. so weird where it's like, what made them think of like, why don't we like put this movie in Greece and we let like these like white American ladies like kind of take the lead. It's just very, it's so strange and it feels very kind of all over the place, but it really isn't. I like how bizarrely disconnected the first movie feels. Yeah. The second Mamma Mia 
Mamma Mia 2, here we go again. Oh my god, yeah. Um, it's a much better made movie than that first one. Like, I think the choreography is better. The cinematographer is the guy who shoots all of Wes Anderson's movies. Oh, uh, you can definitely tell, especially, um, there's like that, the Waterloo scene where they're in that restaurant oh, in that Paris. Oh, that was shot really well. Very Wes Anderson. And they also fixed the problem with the German English dialogue. Like this doesn't feel like it was weirdly recorded in a different mm-hmm. language and like 80 yard later. But all that being said, I didn't think it was as interesting as the first one. Like, even though it was, like, better made, and I still had fun watching it, like, I thought the first one was, like, this weird object. Like, like you were saying, like, it just felt, like, really, like, disconnected and, like, not quite all put together correctly. And I found that, like, really fascinating and, like, fun to watch and rewatch. Well, I think maybe we were, like, numb to it at this point where we're, like, oh, we're we're expecting it. Like, when you watch the first one for the first time, you don't expect it, but, like... You know, Mamma Mia 2 is going to be a lot like Mamma Mia 1, you know? I don't think it is. I, I think it's a little different. Like, it's just like a better made movie. Like you said, that Waterloo sequence is, <laughs> it's like really well staged. Um, Everything's well, like there's a lot of good choreographed scenes where everyone gets involved instead of just like the people on the island. It's like the people in the restaurant. Yeah. Kind of get involved in like sing and dance. And, and instead of just pantomiming what's happening in the lyrics, they actually mm-hmm. do these like complicated sort of line dancing routines where everyone's like doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah. Uh, it's like more like actual choreography it's instead so of like fun. whatever weird shit was going on in the first movie. Right. And I love how I don't, I don't know if we like mentioned it, but Mama Mia won whenever it finished. She just never found out who her dad was and they all accepted it and they were like, well, we'll just be one third of your dad. So she just has three dads. Three dads. So then the movie starts out where she's like, oh, my dad's. <laughs> and she, it's so funny to me. And in this one, she has even less problems. Like the hotel she's living at looks so much more amazing. Sparkling clean. Yeah. Beautiful. So obviously she has like some more money flow, cash flow. Because she film. has three dads now. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, so she has to create a new crisis. And it's the reopening of the hotel. And instead of bringing the three dads in to muck up the proceedings, she brings in her grandmother, who arrives very late in the film, but she is played by Cher. Via helicopter. Like, yeah. It's so funny because the whole time, I went with my cousin, and we're both like huge Cher fans, and we're like, when is she going to come? When is she going to come? <laughs> and anytime like anything got like, dun, 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 we're like, oh, God, it's her. But it... We got faked out a few times, but then when she, when you see this like big black helicopter flying over this island, you know who's inside that thing. And it's worth noting this is Cher's first movie since Burlesque. It's the first film she's been in in right. eight years. And it is the first time she's been in a film with Meryl since Silkwood. I've never seen Silkwood. Well, we might have to watch that. Okay. <laughs> it is great. It's so funny because like the movie is so much fun and there's... A lot of fun in it, but watching it in theaters, the minute that Cher's, like, foot steps out the helicopter with her coral-painted toenails <laughs> and her, like, white, you know, peep-toe heels, everyone started clapping. Yeah. Like, everybody was like, yes, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> and she looks so freaking good. She really does. And I know people give her shit about plastic surgery and... Where whatever she had done, she had done very well. Like mm-hmm. her plastic surgery is amazing, and I love how she like owns it. Like she had that quote years ago where she was talking to a reporter and they were questioning her about like her like facelift and cheek implants and stuff. And she's like, "If I want to put tits on my back, I can put tits on my back. Like it's not your business." <laughs> yeah, she's a queen. 
I love her. The movie kind of jokes about her celebrity a lot too. Where like, uh, someone asks like, "Oh, you invited your grandma? Well, she won't come. No, one, she's never been seen outside of Vegas in like decades." <laughs> right. Uh, so there's a lot of jokes it's about funny. her celebrity. Yeah. yeah, her appearance is very funny. And she only has one song, kind of like in burlesque. She has like one big number. I shit my pants. It's because very good. Fernando is one of my favorite. ABBA songs and the minute I saw her staring across at the like Andy Garcia Andy Garcia I'm like she's not gonna do Fernando and then can you hear the drums Fernando <laughs> I like flew back Andy Garcia might be like my favorite part of this movie though because he's so mysterious yeah he plays this like <laughs> overly romantic like seducer of women uh, <laughs> there's a scene where he first meets Christine Baranski and he like gives her, pays her a compliment, and then she like goes, "Be still, my beating vagina." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's something about that exchange that was like the biggest laugh I had in the entire film. It's very funny. So yeah, he what? like kept going on like you're beautiful, blah 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 blah. Bone. Like he's like talking about like her facial features and like her soul and stuff, and it's very funny. Yeah. So for him to be paired off with Cher for that like climactic number felt really good. It's like, oh yeah, the best parts of this did movie did it are, feel like, good? It felt so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, weirdly missing from this film For a large majority of it is Meryl Streep Who has apparently died Since the last picture It's <laughs> such a weird thing to do Like it starts and it's like mama would have loved this And like in the hotel there's um, Because well the movie there's flashbacks Of young Donna and old Donna Played by uh, Lily James in the right, 70s yeah. who's, She's so good Yeah. Well there's like pictures on the wall where it's like young, like Lily James, and then like a really weird Photoshop looking picture of Meryl Streep. I can't even think about it without laughing. I thought those were so fucking funny. It was funny. one of those like when you see it things. <laughs> and it kept showing up in the background, and people kept pointing it out like, and they have all these there pictures of your mom. Yeah, oh my and, it's, God. and it happened in moments where like they were crying. Uh, like kind of not crying but like those like really emotional ones like oh we miss her so much and then she's there she and she's like frolicking on the beach uh (laughs) and it looks like these like you know home fill like when you buy a picture frame and it's already got a picture in it uh except that it's meryl streep in her overalls okay i want to make a a picture frame company where that's the stock photo (laughs) yes (laughs) also because it's like a prequel sequel like, it uh-huh. goes back in time to show her having sex with these three guys. It's like, it's so funny seeing, like, the younger versions of, like, Colin Firth and um, Stallone Skarsgård and um, Pierce, oh, Brosnan. Pierce Bronson. It's so funny. Uh, not as funny as the uh, flashbacks in the first one where they're, like, de-aged by just, like, putting on Party City costumes. <laughs> <laughs> And I really That's liked uh, a trick in the trailer they did where they de-aged them like through CGI and yeah. like morph into their younger yes, selves. I really wish they had brilliant. brought that in. That's what like got me hooked. I'm like, oh, I cannot wait for this. <laughs> but uh, I think what's even like more important than like showing how she ended up sleeping with these guys is the uh, origin story it gives to her overalls that she wears in both films. <laughs> <laughs> where like, it's like she's shopping. She's like, what about these? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like... Okay, Meryl Streep wears these ridiculous overalls throughout the entirety <laughs> of like the first movie. He's like oversized, like really, really straight, like no curve overalls. 
And this prequel treats them like it's Thor finding his fucking hammer or something. Like it's like this all important like journey. Donna finds her overalls. And my favorite poster for the film is just this up close backlit sun setting shot of the overalls hanging on a pier. What? It's like see how it all began. I did not see that. I'm gonna send that to you. Holy shit. It's so beautiful. That's amazing. Um, So yeah, I like this movie. I just think it's weird that for a movie with way more sex than the first one, it's a lot less horny. Right. Like, it's a little cleaned up, and it's a little more polished. It's a lot more polished. Like, it feels like a legit production. Until mm-hmm. you start thinking about the story for too long, because nothing really adds up or makes any sense. Like, you just said, oh, I graduated from Oxford, and the I Kiss the Teacher song dance number was super weird and funny so basically uh, donna graduates and then just says i want to travel the world kind of travels the world and then finds this island in greece and just says i'll live here and finds this abandoned farmhouse with a horse in it and she gets to live there for free and she becomes pregnant and gives like birth with this like older lady who lives in the town and owns the farmhouse i think the older lady gives the best advice in the movie she's fabulous uh there's a scene where she's like if you think too much you get unhappy which i think is like kind of the whole (laughs) mama mia philosophy like like don't think about it don't think about these movies just let them like wash over you yeah yeah no absolutely you're right you're so right i never looked at her (laughs) as being such a philosopher um but she is and like the greek people in the first movie are more this sort of like classic greek chorus that sort of like chime in like they're in the background right they don't have like speaking roles yeah, and in this one, there's more, like, interaction, I think. Right, you get to, like, know them. Like, the band, the um, <laughs> the son of the mother that owns the uh, this farmhouse she's living in. He's super funny. Yeah. And the guy that um, checks the passports for the ferry, he's pretty... He has some really, like, funny, funny lines. Did you stay until the credits were over? Yes, indeed. Did you see the stinger with him? Someone told me there's, like, an extra scene with him Wait. after the movie's over. No. Yeah, I missed it, too. I missed that. I thought you meant like the the big Oh, there's like a big song and dance at the end. Which is enough to like make you throw up from joy. Like I thought I was getting sick from happiness. Yeah, the same way well both movies have like really great concluding credit scenes. This one was super funny because well Cher comes out singing the beginning of Super Trooper and then they all start to chime in and there's a part where all three men and their younger versions of themselves are like back to back, like singing with each other in these like amazing, you know, LeMay shiny metallic outfits. And it's so funny. And adding to the supernatural element of that Meryl Streep does appear in this movie and does like dance with all those people, even though she is dead. dead. (laughs) So great. I know. Um, And yeah, the end was really weird where she's, um, she's a ghost. She's a ghost, like, <laughs> baptizing her grandchild or some shit? I mean, I don't feel bad spoiling this, because you can't really no. spoil this movie. No, it's not like, there's a big secret at the end. No. No, there's not. Like, we know Meryl's in there, because she's, A, on the poster for the movie. She's credited for it. Like, you know she's going to be in there, and, like, the right in the beginning, it's like, oh, mom's dead. So, we, you know she's going to make an appearance at some point. Also, the best thing that ever happened in the world, uh, at the premiere, her and Cher, like, kissed each other on the mouth, Ugh. and, like, this friendly peck on the lips right Uh, it's almost at well i would say that it's um on the iconic level of whenever madonna and britney spears made out of the mtv movie awards and pushed christina out of the way whoa remember well because christina was on there too but it was just kind of like christina was kind of looking like oh this isn't for you like back off 
wow. <laughs> it wasn't like like they didn't like throw her back, but it's right. kind of like they ignored her. It right. was very funny. This is a lot sweeter. Yeah. And honestly, not a big enough Genuine. deal. No, I saw that. I love that they're like friends and they're fun and they don't get. They're like they don't give a shit. I Both saw like are, one like, person posted. I didn't really see that picture really making the rounds, which kind of surprises me. It's amazing. Yeah. It's the background on my phone. <laughs> like, I love it. And at work, like um, I had my phone face up because I was listening to a podcast and my boss came to ask me a question. I'm like, I'm, I'll explain this later. <laughs> um, speaking of, now that I mentioned Christina, it like threw me back to burlesque. And that whole thing, the whole I'm in love with you, but I have a fiance thing comes back again in this movie. That stupid overplayed like storyline where um, Pierce, young Pierce Bronson lives on the island and Donna like is so in love with him. And then like one day she finds his journal and she sees a picture of like some redhead chick with him. And it's like, who is she? Oh, she's my fiance, but I don't know if I really love her. Like that whole thing comes back. So then he leaves for 20 years. Like, fuck, dude, you try a little harder than that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Didn't he come back? I think he came back and she was already she with, with Stone Skarsgård's yeah, character. Yeah. With the boat guy. Yeah. And then he was like, fuck it. And then like left. But he's the only one. Like he actually, Pierce Bronson, like old Pierce Bronson actually moved to live with his third daughter. One third daughter. And I think he's the real dad. Pierce Brosnan? Mm-hmm. I think the movie kind of hints that too. Because like she draws and he's like, oh, like I draw too. Although her like super blondness would indicate that Stellan Skarsgård is the dad. That's true. She's incredibly blonde. She is. And I love how there was like that romance between um, Rosie and him because there's like a hint of that at the end of the first Mamma Mia. A hint. She like chases him (laughs) up the fucking roof. (laughs) Yeah. Like risks both their lives. Just a hint. No, she's totally got the hots (laughs) for him. You're right. But it shows how when she's younger, she's kind of like, he is the most gorgeous man I've ever laid my eyes on. And she... They kind of talk about how, I guess, at the end of the first Mamma like, she, like, kind of had a relationship with him, and then he, like, kind of was, like, she, like kind of flirting with younger women, and she, like, left him. And then Have you seen the Paddington movies? I've seen the first one. You gotta see Paddington, too, but do you remember I her do. in that? No, I don't. She's, like, the old lady who, like, basically is, like, the matriarch, I guess? I saw it, like, She's, like, the grandma character. Oh, that lives with them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't recognize her because <laughs> she has this kind of like punk haircut uh, in these right. movies and her like uh, short hair and her fun makeup. Also, if you want to talk about the younger versions of the friends, the Christine Baranski younger version is like a fucking clone. Like she it's, looks exactly like Christine Baranski. It's so weird. Even if she didn't have that hair, like she has like her jawline and that's everything. Exactly it, yeah. And that's here's another thing where the financial situation of like these people like really confuse me. I'm like, how can you afford <laughs> to come visit your friend that lives in Greece? <laughs> like, where are you getting money from to like fly, take the boat and take time off to always go visit her? She looks wealthy in these films. She dresses wealthy anyway. You're right. I don't know what her deal is. I mean, she did go to like a really nice university. She's right. So she's probably like paying for everything. Maybe she's just Christine Baranski. Maybe she's a famous Broadway actress. <laughs> right. I'm like, she's probably a trust fund baby, oh, that which too, is okay yeah. for her. Somebody's got to be a trust fund baby. Oh, God. What's your, like, overall trajectory in these movies? Like, I, do you have a preference? I liked the... I like them both a lot. It's hard for me to, like, 
figure out like which one I enjoyed more. Like I think there were two different experiences, but it doesn't feel separate. Like I feel like it's just the Mamma Mia experience. <laughs> like both movies, like I don't look at them as being separate films. I just see it as like a continuation and I think they're so much fun. Like they're not serious. Like there's no serious like you don't care if anyone gets married, you don't care if the father's found, you don't care about like I guess you do care about the grandma showing up because you don't share, but there's like, you just don't give a shit about the plot. You, you really just... don't care about Amanda Seyfried's friends from the first movie. Like nobody oh, cares who about are that. They? <laughs> yeah. They didn't even come back for the second one. I know. That's how lame they were. <laughs> um, it's just, you, you watch it. Cause I'm the whole time. It's like, what song are they going to do next? Or like what weird thing, what weird things going to happen next? Or what outfit are they going to put on? And, and the second one does maintain some of the first one's weirdness. Like, it's still a weird, disconnected kind of movie. Yeah. But I, I really do think the first one, like, is barely held together. Uh, and that's kind of what I love about it. Is right. It's, like, I get, really one, out of control. Right. The second one is, like, more dramatic. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, she gives birth to a baby. That's a pretty dramatic With scene. With a midwife. Yeah, yeah. At a dirty farmhouse. And she like has like a, a true like love connection with like Pierce Bronson's character everyone else she's just kind of like oh I'll sleep with him whatever <laughs> you know but she really like kind of has like a mushy gushy moment with him but other than that eh. I kind of wish the three guys were named Tom Dick and Harry because it's uh, almost like that yeah one of them's name's Harry just not Dick yeah I know Colin Firth is Harry Sam Bill and Harry they really should have followed through on Tom Dick and Tom, Harry Dick and Harry that would have been funnier <laughs> But yeah, I appreciated these more than I expected to, at least a few years ago. Like I, I was, I was into the trailer for the new one, but I still didn't think that I would love the first one as much as I did. Yeah. And it is a really weirdly horny, dizzying experience <laughs> that I, I won't soon forget. I can see that. Like I was watching, like whenever I like I rewatched it, I was like, Brandon's gonna shit. Because I think you don't expect it to be the way it is. Like Not you at think all. it's like, oh, like moms bring their daughters to see this, and they're like, ooh. But you probably shouldn't bring any kid. It's like when people bring their kids to go see Grease on the stage and it's like way raunchier than the uh, movie version, you know? I'll never forget. I went to recreation in the summers when I was little and we had like a dance portion of it and we had to do like a dance to Grease Lightning and it was very, very disturbing. (laughs) I'm like, why did they pick that song? (laughs) Everybody's so dumb. (laughs) Well... This was fun. Yeah. I think we'll do more ABBA next episode. I hope they make a third one. I want them to make a third Mamma Mia. And I want them to like focus on like the friends. Like Rosie and Christine Baranski. I would watch a whole movie about Christine Baranski's character. That'd be fun. I think she was my standout in both of these movies. Yeah. Particularly her pretending the flower was her dick. was like my favorite two seconds. I liked her big hats too. Oh yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. And her caftans. Yep. She's yeah, great. I like the way she dresses. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's it. Yeah. We could continue this forever. Forever. Uh, well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. Yeah. Um, and then after that, me and Brittany are gonna watch more ABBA movies because I'm not Ugh. done yet. Yeah, I'm. No, this is like this, like just kind of like ignited this flame of ABBA, and I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm right there with you. Yes. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.